Thank you for joining today's podcast. Hello, everybody. Um, I'm Nicole. I'm in the technical pre-sales team here at Bytes, focusing on cybersecurity. And I'm joined by the very cool uh, Ellen Hallam. How do you want to do this, Ellen? Do you want to introduce yourself? Yeah, of course. So I, I'm glad you say I'm very cool. I don't feel very cool at all. Um, yeah, so I'm Ellen. I'm the new cyber threat intelligence analyst for uh, Byte Software Solutions. Um, and, I, you know, I always make some some really bad joke about, no, I'm not James Bond. and I'm nowhere near as cool as James Bond. So <laughs> there you go. That's me. <laughs> I mean, I think it's a very cool uh, title, very cool role, personally. But I, I certainly know, think but... it's really interesting. Yeah, <laughs> both you and I being in and around the the cybersecurity world, mm. um, we thought it would be good to just have a, a conversation around what is happening in the cyber landscape over the last mm. couple of months. Um, so, I guess to kick things off, Ellen, from from my side and what I've seen, identity is still very much the perimeter of of the the world we live in. Identities are still uh, very important and also mm. expanding quite a lot more. So workload identities, machine identities. I think CyberArk said for every one human identity, there's 45 machine identities out there that yeah. we need to be controlling and managing. So identities are still very much at the forefront. But while we're on the subject of identities, I think what was also interesting from CyberArk was that MFA is no longer enough, which I think is quite scary mm. because we thought MFA was the solution to, to quite a lot of identity-related risks. And the reason CyberArk have said this is because session tokens are starting to be stolen from web browsers. So it's no longer just enough for you to have M MFA. If you log in your MFA and somebody steals your session token, they can carry on without ever needing that MFA prompt. So we've seen a few vendors come up with solutions to, to this. For example, CyberArk themselves now have a secure web browser that you can use to kind of mitigate from that, mitigate those tokens from being sold. But Microsoft themselves have a, a feature in preview called conditional access token protection, which binds those session tokens to a device. So if they're stolen, they're not going to work on any other device. Microsoft themselves have also made sure you can detect when, you know, impossible travel happens. So when a session token is in one country and all of a sudden in the next, they've got tools to detect on this, like Defender for Cloud apps and identity protection. But yeah, I thought that was quite interesting that identity vendors are now starting to say MFA is not enough. I don't know, what are your thoughts, Ellen? And, and do you have yeah. anything to share from your side? Yeah, so um, I suppose, you know, multi-factor authentication, it, what I find, I'm just going to go very broad brush here, and what I find really interesting is that uh, necessity is a mother invention, isn't it? So we're always left trying to be uh, be better, you know, trying to counter threats. We're trying to be reactive, sorry, proactive to threats rather than reactive. Um, and of course, it, it, it's like no sooner does something come out, uh, look at AI, for example, then, you know, not only are, let's speak really, really crudely, are the good guys using it and, and like using it for, for good, the bad guys are also using it and they're trying to, um, you know, use it for nefarious or or um, like bad, bad reasons, I suppose. So mm -hmm. 
basically what I'm saying is that the, the you know the, the more sophisticated technology gets the harder we're actually having to work to try to keep up with it um and and, and the more reactive we're becoming rather than proactive and, and in my role in particular what I'm trying to be is more proactive so you know here, here are the threats and vulnerabilities to your organization for example or to bytes or to whoever and we're trying to, to stay ahead of them you know when you get like um, zero day vulnerabilities it's right we need to action this now because this has just become a threat and the more advertised these threats are the more people um can actually get on and use them so i suppose yeah it's 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 hard trying to keep up with them but we've got to try and keep ahead of the game and keep being proactive not reactive that's a good point i mean um while we while we're on the topic of, of threat intelligence um mm. we've seen vendors like uh crowdstrike launch their own threat intelligence platforms i think recently it even uh, got promoted right up there to gartner leadership um, and we are starting to see people use threat intelligence in a more proactive way. So it's not just about plugging into these vendors to give context to your security logs anymore. It's about mm -hmm. gathering that intelligence to figure out what could possibly happen next and then mm -hmm. creating plans around you know, communicating that with leadership, with customers, with suppliers. So that shift in threat intel becoming more proactive thing is definitely happening, I would say. Exactly, exactly. And the more we know about our the, the threats to us, the better. And of course, the threats come from obviously threat actors, but also vulnerabilities. You know, a vulnerability poses a risk to an organisation. And once a threat actor jumps on that risk, it then becomes a threat. So, yeah, it's all interlinked. But the more we know, the better is what I'd say. Yeah, I mean, you touched on on something there, which, which leads mm. me into the into the next point around vulnerabilities within our environments. Yeah. And you might have seen recently that a major cloud flow from uh, Microsoft where the mm. Chinese were able to steal some cryptographic keys, create new identities, um, and just absolutely manipulate a, a, a cloud environment to an extent that we were not aware was, was really possible. And yeah. quite a lot of vendors are speaking up about how much more cloud exploitation is increasing. I think the general percentage is 95% increase in cloud exploitation. And most of, of that exploitation is from misconfigurations as well. Mm. Um, there's been a 200% increase in cloud accounts that are being sold on the dark web. Netscope, yeah. for example, have found 55% of malware is delivered by the cloud now, with most of that being made up from OneDrive. So OneDrive is becoming quite a critical, um, I guess, vulnerability or has more vulnerabilities that are that are being exposed to, to different cloud environments. And I think there's another shift happening there where we're seeing this increase in cloud attacks and quite a lot of these cloud attacks don't have any malware in them. So you get you get exploited, I guess somebody logs in or, or manages to access your cloud environment and it doesn't have any malware. So any scanning engines might not necessarily pick anything up unless you have something intelligent doing that. So I think that's quite scary that quite a lot of malware it is. Is, is just not there until much later, until they're in your environment and then they download that malware to your environment. So we're missing quite yeah. a lot of that. 
and this is the problem, isn't it, Nicole? That you know, again, it comes back to the point I was making before on we, we you know, before it used to be phishing attacks, you know, um, aiming for uh, like human error, um, or you know, people pretend like you know, attackers preying on the humans to actually um click on links but but now it's becoming a bit more automated so you know there's even education pieces like educating your employees you know it's not quite as straightforward anymore you know you've really got to have the most up-to-date technology to try and counter these attacks um a couple a couple of thoughts came to mind as well on on cloud storage and it's Mm. things you know i suppose fundamentally you as a company or as an individual are relying on um, others or on another uh, platform to protect your data and assets and I'd suggest that you know no one's infallible so you know are you you know I suppose a question to ask yourself is are you expecting your um, outsources or your um, uh, data and assets to be se- as secure on somebody else's environment as they are on yours um, some of the attacks I've seen recently uh, you know it, it, a lot of them are ransomware ransom as a service um, you know, which is where somebody steals your data, encrypts it, and then either makes you pay for the encryption token, makes you pay to return the data, or they sell it on the dark web. Um, mm-hmm. It's not necessarily that straightforward or that, that clear cut, but more or less that's what happens. It's, it's about making profit. But the question is, do, do, you know, do you have your backups elsewhere? What would you do if that data was lost? And I think these are two very valid questions that we need to ask ourselves and the companies need to ask themselves about what, what would you do in that situation? Um, I had a couple yeah. of... Yeah, sorry, one last thing. I had a couple of, um, yeah, apparently, um, according to IBM, 66% of organisations won't recover from a cyber attack. And that, you know, is is an awful lot of organisations you don't realise. And, and these these threat actors, and I'll come on to threat actors in a minute, but, you know, they ask for so much money. Um, we're not talking small sums. We are talking huge amounts of money here that can, can bankrupt a business effectively. And you, you make quite a valid point there around recovering from um mm. from malicious events i think that's probably going to be a another podcast for another day on cyber resilience and cyber strategy mm. but on the on the cloud side of things we are seeing more and more vendors expand into the cloud space and yeah it's no longer just one solution kind of fitting for all you you need to bring together threat intelligence and EDR, XDR, MDR, mm, you need to bring together do. that identity protection and mm. cloud security and IT and uh, operations. So it's it's mm. getting quite a lot of, it's getting quite complicated out there. But it really is. with cloud protections working together, um, we, we're certainly seeing you have to have threat intel and asset Mm. inventory and something looking at misconfigurations, something looking at identities and cloud identities for um, something also looking at runtime security, shift left, which we we can touch on a a bit later. But there's so much now involved in trying to pick out what is happening within cloud environments. And we're also seeing Mm. lateral movement from on-prem environments to cloud. You know, we have direct access connections between the two sometimes. Are we securing those connections? I think is quite Mm. important. So cloud is, the the threat is real and the increase of of new vectors is is happening around cloud attacks and cloud threats. Mm. Yeah, I think... Um, I had a like a, a quick glance because obviously I, I threat actors are my bread and butter really like you know knowing as much about them as possible. 
And there were some interesting things that came out of that, because I think it's all very well understanding what the security risks are. But again, with the with the cyber threat and selfies, you have to kind of know who your attackers are and know who's likely to want to cause damage to your organisation or to you as an individual. Mm. Um, and, you know, again, this is a, a conversation for another time, but just listing a couple. Yeah, you've got things like... Um, like uh like foreign national um like you know who might be foreign nationals who might be disgruntled with the way things are being run um you've got employees who don't like target individual like companies because they're um you know frustrated by the way things are running and then of course like going quite big you've got your cyber criminals who are specifically out for profit just to make as much money as they can from whoever wherever um i was looking at some like a lot of the time some people like a lot of the time some of the I feel like I'm contradicting myself there. <laughs> threat actors tend to, I mean, I argue they don't have um, ethics necessarily, but a lot of the times um, schools, like educations and hospital uh, places are kind of not off limits, but you, you hackers tend to avoid them. But I've yeah. seen some recently where they don't, they make a, a beeline to target education, um, education um, uh, organisations and um, hospitals. And then you've got like your nation states who have a geopolitical or a military uh, purpose. You've got your terrorist groups who um, have uh, like an ideological violent um, aim. You've got thrill seekers who like the satisfaction of, of, of just having a go and seeing what happens. And then like I was talking about with the disgruntled employees, you've got your insider threat. And like lastly, you've got yeah. hackers who can do all sorts for every every reason under the sun from um, publicity to learning and testing, script kiddies who are just trying out what they can do. So, there's, so the problem you've got here and the main point I'm trying to make is that there are so many different types of threat actors, um, all of whom may, may choose to target one particular organisation um, or who, you know, you might just be targeted by someone in particular. But th there's just so many that you're trying to counter with all these different motives and all these different tactics, techniques and procedures, TTPs. Yeah. And I think that's why that like a really good threat intelligence solution is, is starting to, mm. to make more sense for people because we, we used to take it for granted, you know, or just saying I have a SIEM solution or I have a SOC. Um, I don't really yeah. need something like recorded future and, and, and guys like that who monitor the dark yeah. web. But you kind of, you need something like that now to be able to figure out what's going on, which threats are, are out there, who's being targeted. Um, exactly. Yeah, it, it just seems to be uh, yeah. the, the way things are going. Yeah, and I'd argue more importantly, you know, having the context and the knowledge of what's going on, but also what are you going to do about it? You know, what's your, what's your, um, you know, what what can you do as a company to protect and be reactive, sorry, I keep saying reactive, be proactive to those threats? Um, yeah. And again, I'd argue like this, this is where I come in. I see my role. You know, I'm new to Bytes, but I'm, you know, my role as cyber threat intelligence analyst is to say, OK, here's the situation. Here's what's going on. So I'd call that a fact. Um, then you've yeah. got your, I'd, I'd have a comment on that in my report. So it's, okay, this is going on, but we know that this has happened before in this area, or this has happened before um, over here, or this is what this particular threat actor does. And then you've got the assessment, which is, right, so what, like, why do you care? Why is this important to your organisation? What can you do? And then what can, like, what are we going to expect to see in the future? Um, and I'm not saying I do not have a crystal ball. I cannot read the future, <laughs> but I can look, I can speak to subject matter experts and I can look at past trends and say, well, we know they've done, done this before. They might not do this this time. It's unlikely or highly unlikely that they'll do this this time. But based on past trends, this is what they tend to do. Um, 
so yeah I, I you know I suppose that that piece to me the assessment part is is really important to tailor things to your organization and give you that kind of holistic approach to to what you can do about it I suppose yeah and and you make a very good point on on recovery mm. and and resilience and I yeah. think also what what we've seen changing it this was from from the ISF um that there's a shift in data theft, not just being for ransom. There is. Um, mm. it's, it's also for poisoning, for manipulation, and to affect decision making, uh, yeah. decision making, decision making, um, <laughs> reputational yeah. damage, influencing. Um, I think uh, somebody mentioned you can now hire someone uh, that acts as a cyber mercenary, and basically yeah. their role is to go in and directly attack your your data and your credibility and that's that's quite difficult to do but overall i think from from the perspective of of managing it all i can understand there's so much data out there we have to kind of identify and focus on the crown jewels of the data what's mm. really important where the data is who has access to it where the data is exposed um, yeah. and try and control that and manage that because it can yeah. look like it's just too much out there to to figure out but if we zone in on what's really important and secure that that mm. kind of helps us a bit i agree i agree completely and i think this to me is a difference between risk and threat intelligence in that you know you can both are important don't get me wrong i'm not saying that but i'm saying that if you're looking specifically at threats you need to say right I know this is a risk to my organisation, but how will it turn into a threat? You know, what specifically is going to make me see that this this is now something I have to action, not just be aware of? Uh, yeah, so I do completely agree. But it's, it's funny you mentioned brand intelligence or brand um, like threats to brand. I think that is another one where it's, you know, you you look at the some of the um, like unfortunate companies who've had... Um, cyber attacks and, and the amount of money they've lost uh, again a, a statistic I can't remember where I got this from though so but 60% of organizations affected by ransomware have paid the demand to allow recovery um, and they pay that twice or more on some occasions so again yeah I know so like you're feeding into the, the cyber crime you know where's that money going uh, you, you know what are they what are these people using it for um, and you know, I'd, I'd argue that we're well. I, I would say that we are always at war online nowadays. You know, we've got the Ukraine and Russia um, war going on, but actually, we're always at war at line online. There's always so many um, threat actors to be countering. Uh, it's just a different type of war now. It's, it, do they call it the fifth domain? I think in a, in American terms, they've called it the fifth domain. Oh no, I I hadn't heard of that. Not come across that. No, no. I think I think that's right. But yeah, it, it it's just a, another. Yeah, we, 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 war is becoming intelligent, as in online. Um, and it'll be really, really interesting to see where that develops into over the next couple of years, I think. Because, you know, if you if you look back over the last 20 years and how far we've come with technology alone, um, you know, like 20 years ago, I was thinking, you know, my dad coming home with the first mobile phone kind of thing or, <laughs> you know, like that it was this huge brick. And now we've got phones that are the size of what I, a tiny little, in fact, you've got your phone and your watch, haven't you? <laughs> Yeah. So it's it's remarkable how far technology's come. I think, yeah, as technology evolves, like we've seen, exploits are evolving as well. How people mm. are are using these exploits to attack different uh, companies is yeah. evolving. Um, but like, while we while we're on exploits, um, mm. there's, there's quite a few that have happened recently. Um, 
that I thought I, I would bring up and, and just talk through. Um, mm. Quite a lot of us are using ChatGPT now, I think. Yeah. And uh, most recently, quite uh, a lot of accounts were stolen with, with ChatGPT. I don't know if you, if you saw that, but if you're not securing your account and, you know, it remembers what you search for and, and what you put in. So mm -hmm. when your account's compromised, somebody can see what you were searching, what you were developing. So I thought that was quite interesting that ChatGPT has already had accounts stolen. And I feel like the, uh, the adoption's only been the last few months. I guess it's been yeah. a, a bit more than that. I think that was back in March. I think it's something like 1.2% yeah. of subscribers had payment-related data stolen. I think it was only the last four digits of credit card number. But again, I'd argue it's it's only a matter of time before something more serious happens. Um, you know, I think there's a bit of a um, human nature to put put loads of, you know, just put trust into new technologies and and, and divulge maybe more personal information than we would normally. Yeah. Um, so, you know, they, they're just such a good place for... for uh, they, they are, you know, they're brilliant for the purpose they serve. Although I would be wary with Chat GPT because some people have said that it's not necessarily as accurate, or yeah. um, you know, it's it's not, it's it's not infallible. So um, I would be wary of it. But but yeah, they're so, they, it saves us so much time. You know, we, we, time is so precious, and, and it's it's about trying to, you know, do things as fast as possible without wasting without wasting time effectively. But yeah, yeah. be wary of that. I would say. <laughs> No, for sure. Um, some mm. some other exploits, I think, um, recently as well, the NCSC mm. have, have given a warning again around Lockbit ransomware. Uh, we've seen it around for a while, but it, it looks like there's a surge in Lockbit ransomware. Most, I think, EDRs are able to detect on this now, um, but just mm. something for, for people to be aware of. Um, mm. There was also the really big one that affected companies like Boots Move It Transfer um, that was heavily exploited. I think they've mm. now patched that though. Um, but it's it's something that's that's still happening that people are are falling for, unfortunately, with that data being um, stolen and being put onto dark websites to be sold. I mean. There's there's quite a few other exploits that happened recently. I think Apple's iMessage zero click that started mm -hmm. I want to say in January and then kind of disappeared and then it came back again. Yeah. But I believe Apple have now patched that. But I found that particularly scary that you could get an iMessage, you don't have to open it, you don't have to touch it, and your phone could be infected. Had you seen that one before? Um no I've not actually that's that's something that's new to me that's again is is a very classic example of new emerging technology yeah. but again I was just going to jump on the fact that, that just it's not just laptops we're talking about here it's phones it's watches it's fridges and freezers do, do you know we got a fridge freezer that's <laughs> I know that's ridiculous but you know that's um uh like my, my brother for example tells my parents when the dishwasher's finished because it's connected to his phone so it's it's daft things like that that <laughs> you know you, you've got to think about all these um lateral thoughts really about what it's not just laptops that are affected basically yeah um good point i mean it's just you could talk and talk and talk about all of the exploits that are out there um yeah but yeah quite a quite a lot of that is evolving so you kind of need to be adapting with technologies that do that as well mm. um i think a final thought on on shift lift, mm. right? On on workload protection, um, we're seeing quite a lot of endpoint vendors um, moving into that space as well because they 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 don't want to just 
secure the endpoint. They want to secure anything that is developed on that endpoint um, or within within the cloud itself. So cloud work workload protections come up to do things like scanning um, while you're developing code, um, scanning yeah. and, and running vulnerability assessments in 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 real time for, for mm -hmm. cloud workloads because of, of that exposure. I'd yeah. um, also seen something called data security posture management. There's mm -hmm. uh, a few things coming out, cloud security posture management, which I guess existed to a degree, but that shift left methodology or what uh, Sentinel-1 calls cloud defense in death, that is certainly something we're seeing a few more vendors dip their toes into. Um, and expand the current offerings on because you actually absolutely have to be securing from the code level right up until mm. um you know the the application is, is being used by everybody yeah um so that yeah that was a, a key thing there around um the the shift there and and how that's evolving but yeah mm. quite a lot on, on cloud security today i think uh for both yeah. of us but to kind of wrap things up um, any final thoughts on on what you're seeing, what you expect to to see, and um, anything happening in the the table that you haven't touched on today? Uh, no, I just think more, more. We're just going to expect to see more of the same. Really, you know, it's it's kind of a. I feel like once attackers get onto an exploit, they they just keep going at it until you know until they have a successful attack, um, or until a new opportunity comes up and they just jump onto that one. Um, yeah. So yeah, just expect we'll expect to see more of the same really for a couple of months. Well, thanks for that, Ellen. Thanks for 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 chatting with me. Thank you, everybody. Yeah, it's for, all right. for joining. Um, hope you found that useful and interesting. And if there's anything you'd like us to talk about, please just reach out and and let us know. Uh, yeah. But yeah, have a good day. Thanks, Nicole. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. We have lots more exciting conversations happening in our other podcasts. Make sure you check them out on Spotify and Google Podcasts and follow us for more.